Hello, and welcome to Sense of Responsibility. I'm Alec Lindenauer, a certified financial planning professional, husband, and chief allowance officer to two daughters. I'm also the creator of the Sense of Responsibility tools and how-to instruction parents need to raise their children into financially literate, money-savvy adults, even if they don't know much about finance themselves. I'm Julie Franz, a chef entrepreneur at heart, wife and mother of two middle school children. I also curate the Sense of Responsibility community so parents have a forum to ask questions, share success stories, and discuss their journeys. As a financial newbie myself, I'm also cultivating our group support system to help carve out my own family's path toward financial literacy. Well, welcome back, everybody, to How to Teach Your Kids About Money. Today, I want to introduce all of you to Trina Sargalski. Trina is a digital marketing, social media maven for several companies and also for Sense of Responsibility. Trina, welcome. Really happy to be talking to you today. Yeah, I'm excited to be here. Excellent. So Trina and I met actually through Julie, who of course is our community expert. She's uh, our mom here, my partner in in this entire endeavor. So we're going to miss her today. But Julie was the one who introduced us because I know, Trina, you and Julie collaborated on a previous work project and basically you were like work sisters, right? Exactly. I miss Julie. Uh, Well, um, she's going to be back on here pretty soon. I know that. And of course, Trina, you're the mother of a beautiful eight-year-old daughter. But today we are going to focus not on your journey as your as the social media maven here for Sense of Responsibility, but as a new core parent. And so what does that mean as a reminder for everybody? A new core parent means somebody who wasn't really talking to their kids about money. And then through our different methods and through our different resources, whether it was a course, the blog, the podcast, whatever it may be, are now having meaningful, productive, and I say strategic money conversations. So that's what we're going to talk about today. How does that sound? Awesome. All right. So Trina, tell everybody a little bit about you. And I'd love to hear about you as a mom, what's important to you, your parenting style, and a little bit about your daughter. Cool. So I am a Miami native, half Latina, half Polish roots going way back. My parents and my brother, we used to actually have a good amount of conversations about money growing up. So it wasn't like I was completely clueless about money by any means growing up. And then let's see, fast forward a few years. Now I'm a mom and I feel like I just got really busy. Like as parents, we can all relate, you know, just I was just like in this day to day lifestyle. And then we moved and, you know, we moved again. Um, So we just got busy. I would say overall, my parenting style, being a former teacher, that was one of my past careers. Oh, what did you um, teach? I used to teach Montessori grades one through three, math and science. And I actually have a master's in Montessori education, which for those who aren't familiar, Montessori is very much based on hands-on experiential learning, which is something I think you appreciate, Alec. That sounds right? familiar. So when we would teach the kids money, they, you know, we would have fake bills and coins, especially in first grade. The whole point of Montessori is the younger they are, the more concrete it has to be. So things didn't really become abstract until third grade, until they could really show that they understood they were using like coins and the money and doing, you know, all the, the math problems with the coins and the money. So that background, I think, has really affected how I parent. I would say 
I really value um, just education in general and experiential learning. And I feel like I tend to be a little bit more of a hands-off mom in some ways. Again, that's very Montessori, Mm. letting kids kind of figure things out. You know, I'm sure we can all relate to this when your kid calls from the other room, you know, you know, I don't know how to do this. I need help. Either we take a minute and, you know, don't leap up to help them. And it's usually because we're busy working or what have you. And usually you'll hear like a second later, oh, never mind. I figured it out. (laughs) One of my favorite Um, phrases is I look forward to you telling me how you solved that problem. Oh, I like that. (laughs) I'm going to have to use that one. So for example, Anne is not in a lot of activities. She hasn't really indicated to me that she wants to be in any particular activities except for Girl Scouts right now. And so I kind of let her lead on that. I don't feel, you know, like I have to fill up her calendar. I just felt like as a teacher, I observed kids who were so busy. I was like, when do these kids have a minute? They would go to school. I would tutor them after school. Then they'd race off to some other activity. So I really value for my daughter the importance of just kind of free time. Dare I say it, getting bored, finding things to do. So I feel like the sense of responsibility philosophy is actually really aligned with how I think about parenting and, and practicing things. It was just a matter of one discovering it. And then after I discovered it, just taking the time because there was a a lag there in between when Julie first showed me the program and I was introduced to the beta and when I actually started regularly implementing it in our life. Yes, I've got a lot of questions about that. But tell me, so logistically, tell me about parenting because you're you're co-parenting. So how does that work? I'm a co-parent. I really endorse co-parenting. I'm not saying go get a divorce, but I really, <laughs> looking back, I that's really- That's a different podcast, Trina. Yeah, that's a different uh, podcast. I really, <laughs> well, just because I feel like a lot of us don't live by our extended family anymore. And so a lot is dependent on the nuclear family. So I have actually really valued just having two households to just help raise this person. And, and each household has its own family systems and structures. But actually, my my co-parent and I were pretty consistent, which has been really great. We generally co-parent pretty collaboratively and peacefully. So there's a lot of consistency in my daughter's life in terms of what she's doing in one house versus what she's doing in the other and the values of each particular household. You know, there might be little things like, is she eating more Lucky Charms over there? Is her <laughs> screen time more limited over here? But in general, we're pretty aligned. And so that's something that's been part of her life since she was pretty much a baby. So okay. it's never been any different for her. Okay. So you mentioned that there were some money conversations for you in the house growing up. What, what are your earliest memories of money in the house? I would say, I mean, the way I grew up is, I think, really different than most people have grown up, even in my generation. So my mom stayed home. She worked at home. She helped take care of us. My dad was the main breadwinner. And I say that because I do feel like it really influenced, I think, you know, even up until my early 20s, I just had these kind of unconscious, I don't know, models of like, oh, this is how it's going to be once you have kids. But I never really ended up taking, you know, more than a year off. Uh, Fortunately, I had that privilege after my daughter was born. But a lot of us just don't even have that, you know, choice. So I would say that's like the earliest sort of thing. And then as far as conversations, 
I mean, I would say even when we were 11 and 12, my dad was starting to sit us down. We would all sit down and have these family meetings and he would just start to explain certain concepts like, you know, saving for college. I remember a man came to the house a few times and later I realized that it was the agent that they were starting a mutual fund with. And Hmm. so my dad started explaining things like mutual funds and IRA, Roth IRA, when I was probably like 15. He really also talked a lot about money in terms of a car and this is what a car will cost and, you know, this is what insurance will cost. So I feel like similar to what you've suggested, it was an everyday part of our life. It was like, what's for dinner? Talking about the menu, no different. So yeah, it was an everyday part of our life. But I, and then as I got older, I very distinctly remember, you know, before I went to college, you know, we're going to, we're going to start this credit card. We're going to open it in your name and this is how you're going to use it. Advice on like paying it off every month and what it means to be in debt. This is how you build a credit score. And this is why it's really important to have a good credit score. This is amazing. Um, So you had a really good foundation from a pretty young age, more than most. Yeah. So you would think. (laughs) Ah, yes, this is a good transition. (laughs) Okay. So I think about this sometimes, Alec, because I'm like, you would think by now. I, I just feel like sometimes the lessons my my parents gave, they were helpful. And I feel like I'm much further along than other people. And maybe this is something all parents feel. But sometimes I do wonder... Maybe I should have like adhered better to their advice. And I have been thinking about that a little more lately in terms of, for example, different points in my life. I was in, in debt, credit card debt, and then I got out of it and then I would get into it again. You know, my retirement's okay. I have one. Most Americans don't have one. I'm probably, you know, better off than a lot of people. But when I think back on like what, what I plan to do with my daughter in terms of compounding interest at such a young age, I'm like, wow, if I had really taken the lessons to heart and, you know, just been investing as regularly as my parents were reminding me, what would I have now? And so I think they did an awesome job. I do wonder sometimes if maybe the missing link could have been the experiential learning at a younger age. That's what I was going to say, because I know Look, you and I have been talking a lot about this BYU study that came mm-hmm. out recently. And what it showed is that, you know, for listeners, what it showed was that you, we learn in the house growing up from e- experiential stuff or whatever those lessons are and those methods. We learn from when our parents tell us stuff and we learn from good parent modeling. So it sounds like those second and third, you definitely had plenty of. It's that first that was lacking. And what the research showed was that that experiential stuff, that that's the most important thing. That's the most impactful. That's what works over the course of years and, and decades. Yeah, I that, would say that's it. I have thought about that recently, just working with, with sense of responsibility. And again, with my Montessori background, nothing replaces that hands-on learning. And so that's something both for Montessori and sense of responsibility. And I think it depends on the age too. It's different when you start with an eight-year-old than when you start at 21 and you're really on your own and doing, the stakes are are high. The consequences are real in a way they're not when they're eight. Yes. Little little kids, little mistakes, big kids, big mistakes. 
Yeah. Yeah. And I won't say that anything I did was, you know, catastrophic. It was just little habits over time. And again, building habits, like you always say when you're young, it's just more impactful. Yep. But it is also interesting, like you said, you found yourself in a little bit of credit card debt. So you worked through that. That was an experience you had and you said, okay, well, I'm not going to do that again. That's like touching the stove when you're, when you're a kid, you realize, okay, that burns. I'm not doing that anymore. So that worked, right? No, I did it again. (laughs) But you know, it's because- Did it work the second time? It's, you know, life happens, I guess. And I guess I'm, when I'm thinking about, again, as I get even more financial awareness working with you, I just feel like I'm bringing a mindfulness to this area of my life that I just didn't have before. It's just also a lot easier to be less mindful about money when you're 25 than when you're, you know, in your forties and retirement looms larger. And also like the potential setbacks can be larger. I'm really proud of myself because I, and I don't get too down on myself because I feel like I'm just like, we always say hashtag learning. And I do have that mindfulness now of keep cash, right? The reason it happened the second time is because I didn't have enough cash reserves and I mm-hmm. had to go back into to the debt. And I thought I was doing a good thing by paying off the debt and putting all my cash there. But then when I had an unexpected situation, I had to go into the debt again. So I learned a really important lesson. Mm. But imagine, you know, if I had learned experientially when right. I was eight. As a kid, right, mm-hmm. exactly. So what do you want your daughter's relationship with money to look like? What's the goal? I think I want her to have more of a mindfulness. The way I really want her to understand it is money brings choices. Money brings choices and it empowers us to have so many choices. So it's a tool and we want to make sure that we have enough of that tool. I think that's That's what I really want to instill her with. And just the mindfulness of like, we have to keep an eye on it. You know, we don't have to be obsessive about it and worried about it, but we need to be mindful about it and see where it's going and think about our money habits and think about in five years, kind of where where do we want that money to be going to? What kinds of choices do we want to have? Uh, I think that's, you know, something any parent would want for their child is just for them to have more choices. I agree. It's, uh, I think it's easy, you know, as I sometimes as I see myself talking about this stuff on Instagram or whatever, the last thing I would ever want is somebody to look, oh my goodness, there's another guy telling me, uh, you know, that your kid, you should raise your kid to grow up rich. Like, no, I, I, at its core, I have the same goals, right? I want my kids to be, to dictate over money. I don't want money to dictate to them. I want them to have choices, not a limit of choices, whatever the choices they make, that's fine. But I, I, I have very much the same goal I'm with you. And I also think especially as, um, you know, we have young women in our lives and sadly, even in this modern day, the trend is sometimes to lean on a partner in terms of the mindfulness, to relinquish that mindfulness of money, to hand over the reins to somebody else. And so that's really important to me too, to show her this is something actually enjoyable, having this choices and control over your money and independence. And of course, we all want to, you know, have loving relationships with others, but we should also all be in a position that we don't have to depend on others to do the things that are really important to us. We should be financially independent, whether we're boys or girls. Amen. I'm with you. 
So let's talk about more specifically now your exact experience with sense of responsibility in terms of um, the program and all of that. So for everybody, uh, Trina has been through the elementary starter program, which broken down is basically the first module is all about allowance, using that as a monthly experience and breaking it down that one hour per month between spend, save, invest, and donate. What do those conversations specifically look like? And then the second module is basically taking that, okay, well, what happens through the rest of the month? In terms of, it's kind of like teaching manners. Things come up. What do you say? What what happens? What do you do to take advantage of those moments? You've been through that course. So if you could tell everybody, what are your house rules? How are you executing on your allowance that, that one hour per month? And where are you in that process? Okay. And I love that metaphor with the manners because it really helped me conceptualize it. Sort of like we don't think, oh, I don't have enough time to teach my kid manners. It's just part of life, right? Right. Little conversations you have. So we've been doing the monthly allowance day since the fall. So it's probably been, we took a break off for the holidays. I would say we've probably done it four or five times. So not a ton of times, but I have seen already really interesting differences and I want just, to hear about all those, but what it, so specifically, how much are you giving? Oh, okay. And what are the what are the rules when you sit down for your your allowance, your monthly core day? What does that look like? Take our listeners into your living room, Trina. <laughs> I will. I give ten dollars and twenty five cents a month. And there's two reasons for that. The one I threw in the quarter because I wanted her to practice with coins, and quarters is generally trickier for kids than the other coins. And the other reason is since we have two households, sometimes she's getting allowance over there too. So this number seems to work for now. Um, So we sit down once a month. We actually don't generally do the first Sunday of the month just because Sundays generally aren't the great day for us. So we usually do the first Saturday of the month that she's with me because, you know, we share her Mm -hmm. between two households. So sometimes it's the second Saturday of the month. And sometimes we end up doing an activity, and but we just somehow we get it done and we sit down and we take out the little baskets with the glass jars and I go through through the routine of giving her the allowance and talking about what money is going into spend, what money is going into save. I give her her um, 10% interest on her invest and I just sort of remind her what that is and how that works. And we talk a little bit about donating. So you remind her what each of the buckets are and just have a yeah. little conversation about that. Are you dictating what goes in where or she has free reign? What, what's her reign over what goes where? I just tell her I can't go all into spend. Okay. Other than that, I let her choose how it goes in. And then I, I would say maybe the only other house rules are... I've generally tried to let her buy what she wants, but sometimes I have the same rule as you about just slime because we have so much slime in the house already. <laughs> I mean, what is it with slime, Trina? Yeah, <laughs> I it's just we don't need any more. But generally, other than that, I try to give her free reign. I've just started layering on some more of the the practices too. For example, we just put up the what is that sheet where she keeps track of like the credit bill. the credit bill. Mm-hmm. Yes, because before it was just sort of like I would keep a note of it on the phone and we would handle it in the moment. But I really like the routine of sort of looking at it, you know, at the allowance day 
because in another way, it sort of functions as a spending tracker. Yes. So we can talk about what she spent her money on and that builds in that mindfulness because up until now, and I think this is fine. She's just been really excited to have money to spend. She did her first, you know, Amazon purchase, you know, with me by her side. I didn't really implement the credit bill, but now we're starting with that. And I'm going to next allowance day kind of teach her about, okay, we have to be aware of how much money we have because next time if you spend more than you have in the spend jar, you're going to have to pay interest to the bank. Great. You know, the $10 interest. So to be clear for everybody, as part of the course, there's a credit bill, but you could just use a blank whiteboard. You put it on the fridge so that when you're out with your child and they say, oh, mommy, daddy, can I borrow $5? You're not just saying, yes, here you go. And then forgetting about it or making note on your phone. When you get home, you put that on the fridge so that they have to pay you uh, before your next allowance day. So or she in short, does, that's the credit you know? bill. So it's like in her hands. Right. It's does. her responsibility to put it A lot it of on reminding her. there, though. Yes. Um, and that's okay. I would say other than that, we don't have too many other house rules. And the reason that comes into play, I just want to add is because especially if you have a younger child who's dealing with cash, they're not usually carrying around a wallet exactly with the money. So that way they can still make purchases and, you know, take part in all the, the learning that comes from that. Excellent. I love it. And as I always say, the best thing that you can do in your house, the best routine is the one that you are doing, the one that you could do consistently. So perfect, right? My recommendations are, hey, this is what I've seen work a few times. Take it, mold it. Sounds like you're doing that beautifully. You said that the house rule that she has to follow, though, is she can't put it all in spend. Mm -hmm. Are you finding that she shovels it more in there? Like, What have her attitudes been? I mean, you're giving an eight-year-old... $10 $10 and that never happened for $10 and 25 cents plus interest on whatever is in her investment bucket. So what is she doing with it? Actually thinking about it now, I might not charge her $10 interest because that'll be the whole allowance, but some kind of, you know, yeah. painful sum exactly. so that she'll learn the lesson about painful, interest. but productive. Yes. Yeah. So I was actually quite pleasantly surprised. I think it was two months ago when I first introduced the invest jar because we first started with just, you know, the allowance, we didn't even have the buckets. I was keeping it simple. Then we layered on the buckets and then I talked to her about invest. And once she heard, you know, oh, well, you know, you can make 10% on anything you put out, you know, just like you just leave it there and it multiplies. So she just shoved like a wad of cash in there. And I thought, well, this is great. Now that she's gotten a little more practice with the spending, I do see her kind of put most of it in there. But, you know, she does put in the other ones too. And like you say, Alec, the whole beauty of it isn't even the allocating in the jars. It's all the conversations that come out of it. And it's just fun conversations. Like as a parent, it's just fun to see the wheels turning in your kid's head. And, you know, when she's at the store and she realizes she has a set amount and she's comparing the prices or when she realized she has to pay for something and I'm not going to pay for it, how she's less willing to maybe buy X, you know, plastic toy. That part is cool. And then also seeing her think of a savings goal and work towards that, which currently is one of those Squishmallows dolls. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, the bigger ones can be, I think it's like 40 or $50. So that's something she can save for in three to five months, maybe longer, depending on how much she puts in the save. But getting that practice too of the delayed gratification, because I think especially in the beginning, 
she was so excited about her purchasing power. Like one day she just goes, I want to buy something. And I'm like, what, what do you want to buy? Uh, just something. <laughs> she just wanted to buy something, you know, she just wanted to go back on Amazon and go right. window shopping, which is dopamine. fine. She but at dopamine. the time, yeah, at the time I was, you know, busy and I couldn't help her, you know, in that past. So, but I think, you know, there is a part of that. But again, thinking back to what you, you say, Alec, better to get that out of your system when you're eight, right? Yes, <laughs> because, absolutely. I mean, that can become a habit even as an adult. Like, I don't know what I want to buy. I just know I want to buy and it feels good. Or as Julia's found, you know, with Cassidy, with her daughter, she understands now that her daughter is made like that, that there is a certain amount of her that inherently enjoys the spend, enjoys that process. It's in a way, it's sort of like a hobby. So the she mother and daughter are learning that together and how to compensate for that. What do you do about that? Better to, if, if it's something that maybe you can get out of your system, great. If you can't, at least learn about it and then progress through it. Yeah, that's a good way to think about it. What about, what changes have you noticed in your daughter through this? I feel like we just have more conversations about money. I feel like I observe her thinking through money thinking through when she goes to a store now. I think it's cool also just the way she asks me other questions about money because now she has more awareness of it. You know, yeah. how much does this cost? How much do you make? Different questions. She would always kind of ask questions before, but I feel like now she has a, like a, a point of reference. That's a great way of putting it. And then the conversations too about donations and who we might want to donate to. And it just opens up a whole bunch of conversations. But I think the main thing is just her having just this ability, this power to, to spend money and save money. Uh, she really likes it. And I think that's good. I think it's good to see her developing a positive relationship with money as, as a tool, you know, and learning Absolutely. how to think about it. Was that the most surprising thing or is there something else that was the most surprising? I mean, the most surprising was seeing her shove all that money in the investor. <laughs> I'll be curious to see how that trend continues in the coming months, you know, and as yeah. she gets older, you know, it might, you know, be more significant to her. But overall, my kid is generally pretty, she's a pretty thoughtful, responsible person just by nature. So I feel like layering this on like she's going to be particularly receptive i think to, to all the lessons that this offers her what about changes in you mm-hmm. have you noticed anything well you did say earlier that you feel like now being more money mindful and or fiscally responsible just that's more on your mind mm-hmm. is that the biggest change you've noticed in yourself or are there any others I always knew, I've always known I need to be financially responsible. It's just making the time for it. It tended to be, and I think it's this way for a lot of us, and we just have to be gentle with ourselves and let it go. It's easy to just push it off, you know, oh, I don't have time, you know, you check the bank balance and that's the end of mm-hmm. that. And I've always been a pretty strategic thinker, but I think this is making me even more strategic about my money and also just thinking about the power that Nina has now and her age and just how cool that would be to give my kid the gift of financial independence. That is a huge aha for me, just thinking about obviously 
you know, we want the best for our kids and there's only so much, you know, we can all do depending on our circumstances, but also just thinking about how it doesn't really take that much time. Not really. I mean, even if you open a small investment account and together with your kid are putting in even like $10 a month. But if you do that for 10 years, I mean, it sort of kicked me in the butt. Like, okay, she's eight, Mm. you know, it's time. And she'll still have these great advantages of time that I think is really what my parents were trying to give me. And I think they gave me a tremendous gift. So now I just want to, you know, elevate even more and sort of take it to the next level with the next generation. You said that she was asking you some interesting questions and those those conversations have been new and fun. I think that some parents get intimidated by that. Like the question that you said that she asked you and one that I think some parents might say, you know, at least the generations before us, the answer would be, would, you know, go away, kid. And when they say, well, how much money do you make? So how did you answer her? And what would you say to parents who are faced with the same situation as you are? I feel a little more confident in this situation, just having been a teacher. Mm, My sure. mentor as a teacher, who'd been teaching much longer than I had, she was amazing. She once told me kids will only ask for just enough information that they need. So sometimes, and I always give the example of like the birds and the bees, you think they're asking for the whole shebang and all they right. want is the one little answer. And right. if they, they need more the information, right, right. they'll keep <laughs> prompting you with more questions. It's yeah. the same with money. So when she didn't ask me how much I make, she was giving me a number. And I think you have a story like this, Alec, a point of reference, like, do you make a thousand dollars a year does daddy make a thousand dollars a year i was like more than that you know right and so i just kept kind of answering her and then she moved on to something else and i'm sure if she would have asked the exact amount you know i would have found a way to like frame it or another thing we can do as parents is just say you know what let me think about that question i want to give you the best answer which is what you say or i'll say That's let's right. look That's it one up of my together. favorite answers The one I use the most is let's look it up together. Oh, I don't know. Well, I'll have to look that up. You know, she'll ask me, where do tears come from? I'm not exactly sure. Let's, I'll have to look (laughs) that up or we'll look that up together because then you're modeling for your child. You're not going to know everything. And this is how you find the information. And then that's a whole other set of lessons, right? About money, critical thinking about where we get money information It's not just what so-and-so says on TikTok. It's actually (laughs) not necessarily what you Google. Those come when they're older, but like then you have that whole conversation of like, what's trustworthy information? Who should you trust, you know, to give you advice about money? That is definitely one of my favorite answers. Okay, well, I will come back to you. I want to give you a thoughtful answer, but I like that too. I'm going to start using that about the, the search. One of my favorite places to answer questions like that is in the car because I can very easily put things into context and say, okay, well, see that car right there? That car costs probably new about $10,000 and that car costs, you know, 60,000. That car, oh, that one's very expensive. That one costs 200,000. So going back to your question, do you think that I make enough in a year that I can buy that car? And they say, well, yes. I said, okay, well then there you go. So that's a great place for those conversations, I believe. And uh, yeah, one of the stories that, that I talk about in the elementary starter course what I remember when Eve, my youngest, when she asked, okay, well, are we rich? 
And so mm -hmm. I started to dig in, like you're saying, okay, well, what really is the piece of information that she wanted to know? And and ultimately she wanted to know, okay, well, can we buy a mansion? And then it was like, okay, well, what do you mean by mansion? And what she really wanted to know is, can we please sell this house and buy a house that has two floors? <laughs> so it really had nothing to do with anything rich, money. It, it, was, it was so far from that. And then, and then I had to explain, well, if you have two, you know, like square footage, like if you had two houses that, that were the same width and, you know, and length and one had two floors and, you know, compared to the other one, all of that. And so that's what the conversation was about. It had nothing to do with that. So that's why I like parents to know this stuff doesn't have to be intimidating. You dig a little bit, you know, you can find an answer that works for you. I just think it's so okay not to know. Like that too. Yes. I don't know. I never heard any story. I could be wrong about someone asking their parent a question and losing total respect for them. Because, you know, it's just, we don't know everything and it's okay to model that for our kids. And I think it's actually really important because they should also be patient with themselves when they don't know the answer to everything. It's more about learning how to learn, right? Like, how do you find good information? Let's do it together, you know? So if you're having this wonderful experience, I have to ask you, you, mm -hmm. you alluded to it before. So you were invited to the beta for the elementary starter a year ago, and we started really working together six months ago. And you're like, all right, well, let me, I, I need to, I'm going to be working on this. We're talking about this. I really need to know. Let me just like watch the videos and take the lesson. I I'm have most watched some videos prior to that. <laughs> okay. Well, I tell, then tell, tell us about what happened during that six month period where it was like you were introduced to it and you were excited, but you didn't do it. So tell, give us the why there. What is the why? I don't know. Yeah, what, what it's happened? just like a, the very common why for the parent. Oh, I'm too busy. And it just seemed like, Oh, I'm, you know, I got to sit and watch the videos and, you know, let me plan a time. And sometimes it's just easy to make things bigger in my mind than they are. And really, it's just like a bunch of seven minute videos. And once I started watching, I was like, oh, it's been half an hour and I've already finished the whole, you know, <laughs> first session. It's more about that, you know. Okay. Uh, I did not ask, and I meant to, what's been challenging Hmm. About doing the uh, allowance process? Yeah. about And just to, teaching her about money in general, as you've made this commitment and the effort, the whether it's the sitting down once a month, whether it's when you're out, clearly finding what to say, how to answer questions, that hasn't been difficult because you, you know, you're taking your time, you're measured about that. But there has to be something that has been more difficult or than you assumed or just difficult in general. One challenge as far as my daughter is sometimes she resists the routine. You know, I have a time that I have free to do it and that might not be what she wants to do in that moment. And she wants to skip, you know, go through it fast, you know, mm, just get the yes. money. She doesn't want to have a discussion uh, or she's not as open to the discussion. And that just depends on her mood. And I think yeah. I mentioned to you, Maybe we'll try it on weekday evenings because I think she sort of sees it as, quote, homework. And in her mind, she's like, why am I doing this on a weekend? Might just be a timing thing. That's really been the main challenge, I would say. And then the second challenge, again, to go back to what I was talking about and not to get like too, I don't know, uh, into the emotional stuff. But like, I think it's good for other parents to hear it. You do start just thinking about your own money mindset and, and looking at just areas of your life as far as money and like where you could do better 
And that's not always easy, you know, uh, if you're more mindful. Right. Self-reflection can be hard. Yeah. Yeah. And just seeing like, oh, you know, I, I have, I need to definitely be putting more into this retirement account now that I'm thinking about this. Mm. But we have to think about it, you know, and, and we can just be gentle with ourselves and say, well, now I know more than I did. Like, I think I mentioned this in one of our emails, the book, The Gap and the Gain. We, there's so much like that we can do in life with the mindset of just how far have I come? Wow. Look how far I came versus like, I'm so much further behind, you know, the neighbor, other people, my age, other people, half my age, you know, but that's been the challenge because it does open up that sort of self-reflection, Right. but it's also good. Well, the first challenge that you mentioned, I think that's probably the most common one that I hear. And it's, I would say it's the most common one in my house too. And when that comes up, I just say, yeah, I hear you. And I understand that you want to go fast. However, if you want the money, this is the price. Right. I'm giving this money to you so that we, you can learn and you can practice and you can have these experiences. And I want you to buy all of those things. And I want you to make, make those purchases. But you have to sit down for the next 45 minutes. And then I, I get a huff. I get an eye roll, especially since now they're teenagers. But invariably... They want that money. Is that is that how you handled it? Yeah. I mean, there's no getting out of it. So she right. can have a, a face, but right. we'll still have the conversation. But isn't it that way with everything with kids? You know, sometimes they're going to have a face and still, it's not a choice. It's happening. <laughs> exactly. Yep. <laughs> All right. So Trina, what words of wisdom would you give to a parent who has not yet taken the plunge to say, okay, I'm going to have these money conversations. I'm going to do the allowance routine. Just do it. Oh, just do it. Just rip off the Band-Aid and do it. It doesn't take as long as you think it does. It's not going to be as much of a learning curve as you think it will. Just do it. And it'll be like a hundred times worth the, the time and energy you invest in it. Not just for the money knowledge you're giving your parent, but I also just think it's a I don't know. It's like a fun part of parenting. It just gives you like a fun thing to talk about. And I look forward to continuing the conversation because I imagine when Nina is a teen, your kids are older than mine. They don't always want to talk to us about some things, but I feel like money is sort of like this level ground that maybe you could still have conversations about with your kid when they're a teenager and, you know, are more interested in talking to their peers about other things. You can still kind of have that door to conversation open yeah, just do it. Just do it. Don't worry about the time. Don't worry about how much you know. Just start. I love it. That generally seems to be the words of wisdom that most parents give other parents. That's It's interesting that it keeps, that theme just keeps repeating. And boy, those Nike people, they are brilliant. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Let's. I'm going to take your parent hat off for a minute. Uh-huh. For my last real question, I'm going to ask you to put your sense of responsibility marketing and and digital marketing hat on. I am curious, what's your favorite thing about the work you're doing on sense of responsibility? So not as a parent, but as this social marketer and whatnot. I would say my favorite thing is just, it's a topic I'm engaged in. Um, even though I haven't always had the best money mindfulness, I've always been interested in money and learning about money And I really think what we're doing is valuable. I mean, like you said, it's not just like 
teaching people what stocks to put their money into or get rich or make a rich kid. This is so much about mindset for your kid. And so I just love doing all of the marketing and the content, I guess, because I am part of the group, right? I am a core parent. It just makes it a lot easier in some ways to think about how to say things or to think about our community and maybe what they're thinking or wondering. It's just a really fun project because I think it's personally engaging for me, but also I think this is important to do. I think the world or this country, parents in this country need to to hear this message, I think. Love it. All right. Now, if you were not on this recording, if this was just a recording where I was talking to Julie or Julie and I had a guest, you would have said to me in advance, all right, Alec, make sure you say these things. So I'm going to say these couple okay. things here. All say right. them. And then, okay, ready? <laughs> I want to remind everybody that the Elementary Starter course is available now on sensorresponsibility.com. That's C-E-N-T-S of responsibility.com. Check out the blog, check out the podcast. The easiest place to start is senseofresponsibility.com slash resources. And as Trina likes to remind me, that I'm going to remind all of you, make sure you hit the little subscribe button, however you're listening, wherever you're listening, however you're watching. So Trina, did I miss anything? You did great. <laughs> okay. Link in bio, link in bio. That's still in the Link in our right. bio. <laughs> right. And um, what, what Trina was alluding to earlier, the hashtag learning, I just want you to know if you're subscribed to our newsletter, which of course I recommend too, if you ever see an error in there or anything like that, either Julie, Trina, or I have seen it after the fact, and we have then texted one another and said, hashtag learning. That hashtag learning is just part of the process. For all right? of us, right? It's yes. like just, we all need to give ourselves a break. We're doing our right. best. That's, <laughs> that's right. That's a lifetime hashtag, hashtag learning. <laughs> Um, but in the meantime, everybody, till next episode, hashtag teach sensibly. Bye. Thanks, Trina. This was fun. Thank you.